we uh, have been uh, in the Olivet Discourse, which is Jesus' greatest prophetic teaching. And uh, we're, we're walking through this. I just feel like it would be valuable. Uh, it, you know, some of this, it, you, you haven't been here for some of you. And so you just need to get online, estespartachurch.org, and get caught up. On, on some of the details of this, because it's been a really good part in our study of Luke uh, here at, in the Olivet Discourse. We've been in here, this section, this will be our third week, and, and we'll conclude this today by uh, doing a summary. Peter, James, and John had just been with Jesus at the temple. They're, they're captivated by the beauty of it. Jesus then prophesies its destruction. Not one stone will be left upon another. So now, Jesus is sitting on the side of the Mount of Olives. He's facing the temple when Peter, James, John, and Andrew ask this question. Verse 7, Teacher, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are to take place? So Jesus doesn't directly answer the question, but instead gives them these three things to watch for. And here we go. Verse 8, watch. Uh... Watch out, sorry, oh dear, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he and that the time is near, do not follow them. Now, as we saw in the study, false teachers have been a part of the church since its early beginning, so I'm proposing to you that to a large scale, this was fulfilled early on. There's still false teachers today, but for practical purpose here and understanding this, it was fulfilled. So we go on. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. So you and I, we live in this period of the not right away. However, if you study Israel's history since 70 AD, when the Roman soldiers moved in and destroyed it, you'll find multiple Gentile nations that had ruled in this city. So this, again, I'm saying was fulfilled. Now there's tensions in the Middle East, obviously, but for all practical purposes, fulfilled. Verse 10, then he said to them, now this stuff is kind of where we are today, or we're on the threshold of it. So you can see this back and forth, fulfilled uh, in process, okay? Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. So it's fulfilled and unfulfilled. I understand that right now in our world, at any given time, there are more wars and more tensions going on than at any other point in history. Natural events seem to be happening right now with greater intensity and frequency. And even though you hear statements like it's the worst since, and some of those, if you look at them, you'll find they're actually the worst on record. But, but what you have to acknowledge is that they seem to be happening closer together and in clusters. It's like, okay, so when are we going to hear about the next worst? So just as an expecting mother can expect the, the pains of childbirth to come in closer cycles and with, with greater pain as the day of that child's birth comes near. So as the kingdom of God is about to be delivered, you can expect these things uh, to happen with greater intensity and frequency. We're talking about birth pains, conflicts, natural disasters, uh, human sufferings, so forth and so on. Romans 8.22 kind of says it, summarizes it this way. We know... 
that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So if you ever ask the question, why is this world such a frustrating place to live in? Well, just consider yourself having birth pains as long as the world has been in birth pains, and you'd be frustrated too. <laughs> okay, I haven't experienced that myself, but I have a feeling, okay? <laughs> Verse 12, <clears throat> But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account, of my, on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. Fulfilled, fulfilled, fulfilled. We saw how the early church, most of the disciples, we have record of them being martyred for their faith. But each time they're brought into courts, read Acts and you'll see it. They proclaim Christ all the more boldly. Paul, chained to Roman soldiers, is leading the soldiers to the Lord. So persecution, right, results in the church being more effective. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You know, these are fishermen. These guys are uneducated. We're so educated today, and you read what these guys did with their boldness. I mean, just read Stephen's account, and boy, he didn't prepare that sermon. Peter didn't prepare his sermon in Acts chapter 2, but God gave him words. Fulfilled, 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 fulfilled. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death all men will hate you because of me. This is what, okay, this is what you're signing up for today, you know? You want to become a Christian, huh? But is it Jesus or not? I mean, you got to look at this. All men will hate you because of me. It's not you, it's Jesus that they hate, okay? But not a hair on your head will perish. And so here we're reading about all this persecution and suffering. Not a hair on your head will perish. It's because we're talking about your eternal existence. All right? Yes, save yourself for eternity. Don't put so much stock into this world. Okay? By standing firm, you will gain life. Yes, there it is. There's the reward right there. Fulfilled, fulfilled. Uh, some of this we can still see happening, playing out. Uh, right right now, right before our eyes. But the result of persecution is the church becoming more effective because the blood of believers is seed. If they put you in the ground, your blood will just produce more fruit, okay? So this is the kingdom of God at work. Now, as we come to verses 22 through 24, uh, again, uh, this is stuff that was fulfilled in 70 A.D. We shouldn't confuse it with a few future event called the Battle of Armageddon. We can see right now there's much tension surrounding the nation of Israel. We can expect greater hatred towards the nation of Israel. How will the United States line its, align itself in relation to Israel? So we read this, keeping in mind, fulfilled in 78 AD when Rome moved in. Look at it, a whole different perspective when you read it this way. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. And what a great word on the desolation, the abomination that causes desolation last week. Get online, listen to that, okay? Is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city for this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How else do you describe the suffering of the Jews? How else do you describe the Holocaust? 
right? They went through a season of punishment for rejecting the Savior. But I believe that time of suffering for the Jews and punishment is over. Okay, verse 23, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. Yes, we've seen it. Look at it. Why are they so abused? They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time, times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So yes, fulfilled 70 AD, but the time of punishment continued until 1968 after the Six-Day War when Israel was affirmed as a nation. So the application here, look at this and see. And because you can see that Jesus' short-term prophecies have been fulfilled, you can also know that his long-term prophecies will be fulfilled as well. Believe, be encouraged, put your hope in Jesus. It's all going to happen just as he said it would. Amen? You with me? You tracking all right? <laughs> I love you guys. You're beautiful. Uh, all right, verse 25, 26 Potentially, this is where we are, or we're at the threshold of it, but we can relate to this. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Think about what we're hearing now about asteroids, solar bursts, stars exploding. Much of it's because of advances in technology, right? But we're hearing about it more and more, right? On the earth, nation will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea, Earthquakes and tsunamis, 250,000 people taken out in one instant. And then we come right into Haiti, okay? <laughs> These things are going on. People are anguished because they don't know what to expect. And it says this, men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. This is happening with greater intensity and frequency. This is what I'm proposing to you, which leads right up to verse 27, where it says, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah? You want to applaud that? Do you really? What would you say? Fulfilled or unfulfilled? Yeah, we're looking forward to it, right? Listen. I may sound like I know a lot about prophecy being up here teaching like this, but the truth is, I don't know a whole lot. But what I do know, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, yeah get ready. <laughs> All right, good deal. Let's go on, verse 28. When these things begin to take place, and this was our application last week, glorious word, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you see these things happening, rise up, stand tall, be elated, hold your heads high because your wildest dreams, your greatest hopes, <laughs> they are about to be fulfilled. And we see it right here. And what it's, what it's encouraging us to do is don't get discouraged by what you see happening around you. Just keep your eyes on Jesus, right? What's the one application that we want to be about here as a church? while you're getting it and only use any other applications to the degree that it helps you to do that one application so let's say it again what is that one application awesome you are good where are your eyes where are your eyes today do your eyes need to be refocused have you ever had your eyes on jesus was there a time that you had your eyes on jesus but somehow you, you've lost sight 
And today you need to reset your sights. All I want to do is dwell in your... Thank you for that. You need to reset your sights. Or maybe today you're sitting there saying, you know, I have, I've always been going along, doing life as I've been told, and, and I wonder why I'm so disappointed and empty and frustrated. And today you're saying, I want to turn and get my sights on Jesus. And hear him drawing you. Please hear him draw, draw you and, and come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. That's all you need right there. Just turn and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. And he will meet you right there. He'll run to you and he'll meet you on the path home. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. Verse 29. So he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree. And the fig tree in the Old Testament represents the nation of Israel. So look at the nation of Israel. It's, it's real. And all the nations. So the nations of the world and their hatred toward Israel and what's going on. When they sprout leaves, and here I'm proposing 1967-68, when Liz, Israel settled it, we are a nation, right? Sprouted leaves right there. <clears throat> You can see for yourselves and know that summer is near and summer always represents harvest. We're talking the final harvest when God comes to gather those who are his own, right? And you'll know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, and here's the good news, all right? Get hope. It's happening. We can get depressed or we can let it serve as a reminder. You will know that the kingdom of God is near. Why don't you say it yourselves? What will we know? You will know that the kingdom of God is near, right? Say that. Doug got it right. Just say the kingdom of God is near. I like that. Can we do that? Can we say that together? The kingdom of God is near. Absolutely. All right. Verse 32. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. So now too many people have read those words. This generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. And they'll look at that and they'll get discouraged. And they'll think, well, the early church all passed away. And they never saw this happen. But they're reading this wrong. See, what he's saying here is the generation of people who witnessed the sprouting of Israel. This is where we are right now. A Jewish generation is typically thought to be about 40 years, and that's a span of time. So these people who are witnessing these things are still alive, all right? Yes, World War II was huge. The Holocaust was over. Jews are being established. The nation is sprouting. And what Jesus is simply saying here, be aware of these things as they unfold be honest about what's happening, right? I mean, you know how to read the weather. Have you seen the pictures uh, that are, people are sending around of that incredible crowd, cloud formation over Mount Rainier in Washington State? Have you seen those things? Yeah, some of you have. Uh, they're kind of a, they look like a tornado cloud, but they're, they're not, there's not a lot of motion. Well, there was one in our town the other day, but it was blocked by other clouds, and it's just fascinating. I was telling somebody about this, and they saw it themselves, and they said, it's a sign it's going to snow. And we all said, yuck. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's interesting because we know how to read the weather, but can we read the signs of his time? God is showing us and encouraging us to keep being reminded that all of his promises and everything in his word will be fulfilled. In fact, the scripture goes on. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. Think about this. The nation of Israel, destroyed in 70 AD, gone. 
not one stone left upon another, then 1900 years later, it's reemerging as a nation again. Impossible, unheard of. It just doesn't happen. No way. This can't be possible. And what we need to recognize here is this is God's business. God specializes in the impossible. And what is impossible for man is possible for God. And you need to hear that in your own life because it's, it's great in the big picture of things as we see prophecies unfold. But do you have an impossible situation in your life and in your world right now? And you need to hear God saying through the nation of Israel, I specialize in your impossibilities. Cast all my cares, all your cares on me, for I care for you. I think that's a huge application. In fact, let's read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 together. Would you read this with me? Therefore, humble yourselves under God's might of God. Sorry, wrong translation. Let's start over again. I'm, I've got three translations in my brain. Let's do this again. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Amen. Cast your cares on the Lord. So here we have a situation where the entire world is looking at this tiny nation of, of Israel. It's budding, as I'm proposing, potentially began May 14, 1948, when the United Nations affirmed Israel truly as a nation. It was in 1967 that Israel defeated the United Arab Republic, consisting of these three much larger nations, Jordan, Egypt, and Syria, defeating them, defeated them in a six-day war, which solidified the decision that the UN had made for them. But doesn't it seem strange that nearly any night of the week, you can turn your television on and you can find something there about this tiny little country called Israel. A country that's smaller, and I brought this little map of the United States to show you. It's, it's smaller than 44 of our 50 United States. And I put New Hampshire up there to kind of give you an image of just how small this country really is. Population-wise, we're often told that Mexico City has the largest population in the world. But if you look at World Atlas defining metro areas, it tells us this. It tells us the largest, country, the largest city in the world is Hong Kong with 32.4 million people. Second would be Seoul, Korea at 20.5 20, million people. And if you were to draw a circle around Singapore with a 2,000-mile diameter, you would have surrounded half of the world's population right there, okay? Going over to Mexico, it comes in at third with 20.4 million people. Yet you turn on the news, and you don't hear a whole lot about these places. You may hear about them as far as being economically competitive with us, all right? You may read it on a label on a shirt or something like this, but you just don't see them in the news. Yet this tiny little nation of Israel is constantly before us on the news. What's the deal? What's going on here? Well, we have to understand that the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still in the apple of God's eyes. He has a special place for them. And though they've gone through a season of punishment because of their rejection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, they still are the epicenter of prophecy. And we're seeing it be being fulfilled 
right before our very eyes. I want you to read a couple of prophecies with me. These were written about 2,600 years ago. This first one is from Jeremiah 30, verse 3. Let's read it together. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land, and they shall possess it. Wow. Ezekiel writes this, chapter 37, verse 21. Let's read it together. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Listen to this. This journey homeward actually started about 135 years ago. In 1871, a few Jews left Europe and Russia and started to make the trek home. Eleven years later, 1882, there were about 25,000 Jews back in this area of Palestine. First Zionist Congress, uh, reclaiming the land of Jews, 1897, was officially adopted. And as a result of that, by 1914, there were 85,000 Jews in the Holy Land. During World War I, the English army was on the verge of losing that war when a brilliant Jewish scientist by the name of Shane Wiseman, a chemist, developed a way to quickly produce TNT, and he helped to turn that war around. As a result, the English government told him to name his price. What can we do for you? He wasn't thinking about himself, but instead he asked that Palestine be officially declared the international homeland for the Jewish people. As a result of that, the Balfour Declaration was signed on November 2nd, 1917. Listen to what it said. It said, His Majesty's government views with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. That document, because of that, now Jews are going to begin flocking home. Listen to this. 1932, there were over 180,000 Jews back in the Holy Land. 1935, over 300,000. 1937, 430,000 plus. And by 1945, 500,000 Jews had returned to the homeland. Well, the British government didn't follow through on their promises, but on May 14th, 1948, the United Nations affirmed this new nation, and this was sealed by the Six-Day War, which ended in 1968 and was aff- 67 and was affirmed in 1968. Today, right now, there are 43%, 43% of all the Jews in the world live in the Holy Land. <laughs> now, get this, 39, and this is according to 2010 stats, According to 2010 stats, 39% of all Jews in the world live right here in the United States. Why is our nation blessed? Huh? Just awesome possibilities. But friends, there's another miracle that the children of Israel are on the verge of receiving. And just as I read to you those prophecies from 2,600 years ago, there's another huge prophecy that I wanted to share in this but I'm just going to give you the small part. It's in the valley of the dry bones. And God says these words. This is Ezekiel 37, 14. He says this to the Jewish people. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, 
and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So it appears that Israel is on the verge of a Holy Ghost outpouring, that there is going to be a revival that takes place where many, many uh, Jewish people are going to come to faith. So the application here, pray for the nation of Israel. Pray for the Jewish people. Tonight, 6.30, Rocky Mountain Church, there's a community event where a news reporter who spent time in Israel is going to share with everyone who comes how to pray for these people in Israel. You know, a woman who lives just a few doors doors down from Valerie and me uh, was a Jew, and she was an atheist. And recently, she came to faith in Christ in in her excitement for the Lord. She shared the gospel with her 90-year-old atheist Jewish uh, mom, and her 90-year-old Jewish mom prayed to receive the Lord. <laughs> uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of meeting one of the players for the St. Louis Rams, huge guy. I was dwarfed standing next to him, and he wanted me to know that he's a Jew, and he's a believing Jew. He loves the Lord. There's an awakening going on among the Jewish people. Anybody blessed this morning? Doing all right? I'm just going to quickly move through where we left off last week and then we'll be done. Just a couple more things and and we're good. But remember, the little boy came home from church that one Sunday and said, "Uh, Dad, what does it mean when the preacher says, in conclusion? And the dad looked at his little boy and said, Not a thing, son. (laughs) Okay. So, can you see that the short-term prophecies have been fulfilled? And that should tell you that the long-term prophecies will be fulfilled. We're seeing some of those long-term prophecies even as we speak uh, being unfolding before our, our very eyes. So this next set of verses goes after the question, how should we then live? Okay, And we've already seen the word watch. Jesus gave the disciples that, but he said be careful. In other words, be on your guard. Hold steady. Just, just recognize what's going on around you. All eyes on Jesus, right? Be careful. Because if you don't, he says, your hearts will weigh down, be weighed down with dissipation. That, that word dissipation means moderate indulgences. It means excess. And that's the United States. That's us in the United States. We're trying to satisfy our pain with junk, and it just isn't cutting it. Okay? It's excess. It's because we're, we're drinking from the wrong well, okay? And I don't say that judgmentally. I'm, I live where you are. And I just say it honestly because we've got to be careful and we've got to watch. The second word there is the word drunkenness. Do you know that's the word meth? Methe? Do you know that? In the original language, we're talking intoxicants, any intoxicants. And what this is about is the reason uh, we see so much abuse of intoxicants is because people are trying to escape, And the sad reality of escaping is eventually you have to wake up and there are your problems all over again. You weren't made to to escape your giants. You were made to conquer your giants with living faith in the living God. Okay? So don't get caught up in in meth, but be careful. Uh, Going on, and this is the last one. If you haven't related to the last two, you've got to relate to this one. And the anxieties of life. And you know that word life that's used there? It's not Zoe life. It's a totally different word. It's not the kind of abundant life that we think of. Like Jesus said, I came to, you might have Zoe and have it to the fullest. This word here is the word from which we get our word biology. 
See, and it's just talking about existence. And we get so caught up in the stuff of our mere existence that we, that we, existence that we miss out on Zoe life that God has intended for us to have. This is a huge word. So he goes on, And that day, the day of the Lord will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap. I, I, you know, I know my wife hates mice being in the house, but I sure love the hunt, you know. And, and, and I sure love the sound of the snap of that trap. And, and it, there's just something about it, you know. I just, I just want to kick the sheets off and bounce out of bed and say, Got one! <laughs> But man, that mouse didn't know it hit him. I mean, sometimes they have a little bit of a roll. You can hear the snap and the flood, you know, kind of thing. But <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not in here. <laughs> but that's what this is talking about. Don't let that day catch you off guard like a mouse walking into a trap, you know. Bam! There's no time to turn your head and wonder what hit you. Just Oh, I don't even know where I was. Okay. <laughs> For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Be always on the watch. And pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of God. I love that, to stand before the Son of God. We don't understand kings and rulers like these people did. But if you walked into the presence of a king in many countries and you weren't invited or you weren't nodded with a gesture of acceptance, it meant your head would be cut off in a moment. So what this is talking about, standing before the God, it means before God, it means you stand before him without fear fear of what might happen in fact i have two verses i want us to read two sections of scripture the first one is romans 8 1 let's read this together would you read it with me there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit you know the niv cut that last section out can't believe that okay verse Hebrews 4, verse 14. Let's read this together. And oh, I'm going to skip here from 14 to 16, so please know that I am not adding to or taking away from Scripture, but for the sake of the point here, you'll notice that. Okay, so let's read, starting with verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the God we serve. He wants to welcome you with kindness. He wants you to be prepared and to be prepared through his son, Jesus. But I want to go back to those words, be always on watch and pray. I think many of us have heard 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 over and over again where it says, Pray without ceasing. And, and, and all of a sudden, we think this becomes a discipline in the Christian life that I have to pray and, and not cease. It kind of reminds me of a buddy who, when he enrolled at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, he thought he was kind of going to a monastery. And he had this image of all these theologues walking around with their Bibles going, Holy morning, and, and you have this thing about perpetual prayer. But friends, that's not what that verse is about. That verse is saying, don't get discouraged in your prayer life. Pray and keep on praying. And this prayer is not an asking 
prayer. It's a relationship prayer. Know that the Lord is with you, that you are not doing life alone. And that's, that's exactly what this is talking about. Talking about, where am I? Oh, I went on to go to the parable of the persistent widow, but I love it. I'd love to think of it as the woman of importunity in the King James. When Jesus introduces her parable, or yeah, when that parable is introduced, Luke states it this way. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Don't faint in praying, don't lose heart in praying, but keep on praying. And the key there is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep believing. I just got to read this one more scripture. I know I read this one a lot, but it's, it's just got to be read here, okay? This is First uh, Second Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 13. And again, I've edited a little bit. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, and this is where we are, the days of the Gentiles, I believe, are over, and we are now in the last days, looking forward to Jesus' coming. Scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires, They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Then jumping down to verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. And here's his heart right here. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Amen. Yeah, that's his heart. He's got he we're in this time of waiting because there's still people coming in the kingdom. Concluding our scripture, each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. I'm going to give you just a moment between you and the Holy Spirit to consider why God brought you here and what he would have you do in response. It's going to be quiet here awkwardly, but this is your time to allow God to speak into your life and seal these things.